Hello and welcome to Close Talking, the world's most popular poetry analysis podcast from Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated. I am co-host Jack Rossiter-Munley, and with my good friend Connor McNamara-Stratton, we read a poem, talk about the poem, and read the poem again. Before we get into today's selection, a quick note that if you like what we do here at Close Talking and have a spare minute of your time, it would mean the world to us if you would give the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings and reviews help boost us up the algorithm and find new listeners. And if you have suggestions for future episodes or comments on this one, you can send us an email at closetalkingpoetry at gmail.com. And you can also find us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at Close Talking. I am at Jack Rossiter Munn, and Connor is at Connor M. Stratton. On Instagram, the show is at Close Talking Poetry, and on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash close talking. We also have a website, closetalking.com, where you can find all the past episodes of the show, and Cardboard Box Productions has just launched a newsletter, Unboxed, and if you go to cardboardboxproductionsinc.com, you can subscribe for more behind-the-scenes stuff on Close Talking and all of the other literary and cultural history podcasts that Cardboard Box Productions makes. On with the show. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Close Talking. I am one of your co-hosts, Connor McNamara-Stratton. And I am your other co-host, Jack Rossiter-Munley. And we are with you yet again for day five of the line break week, because it's April, and it's National Poetry Month. And we're talking about line breaks. We're and talking about them. We're we're reading about them. We're really just digging in. We're digging in, folks. And if you um, haven't listened to the first four, it's not necessary, but highly recommend. At least um, the first one where we lay out some of the big themes. Number but, one is a good number one. But yeah, you don't, you don't have to have listened to any of them to get to this point. But if you go back, it you just there's there's more to it it's sort of like uh you can go in and just watch thor ragnarok but you might have a clue about more of the stuff going on if you've seen the rest of the mcu like you'll you'll get it and it's a fun movie on its own but like you know there's a journey, there's a journey i can play. i can confirm this yes no yeah well yeah our first episode we did a pretty general overview line breaks what's up then we started talking about drama in day two and we got to miming in day three then we're talking about emphasis in day four and now we are on to rhythm jack our resident drummer and guitarist jack's been drumming since uh since i was about two and a half <laughs> two and a half wow started on the drums then added in some like hand percussion conga stuff and Mm. then picked up the guitar amazing thrilling thrilling but always and this is actually true no matter what i was doing i think partially because i started on the drums always drawn to rhythm over sort of you know hyper uh what's the word i'm looking for you know the like sort of the (laughs) 
I wasn't trying to be Ingve Malmstream out here. I was more in the sort of more drawn to like Jolly Notes. Hooker and melodies. Kind of uh, anyway, we are anyway. talking about rhythm, and there's lots of different ways that lines can reinforce rhythm, and often they're doing it by getting broken in just the right place. Um, probably the most famous examples are like the meters that get discussed, the formal meters of many types. I think the most famous by a long way would be iambic pentameter, which uh, Connor, take it away. Give us that, give us, give us that good definition of iambic pentameter, <laughs> that Shakespeare talk. <laughs> well, it's quite simply, but um, but um, but um, but um, but um, it's uh, it just five. feels good. It just feels good. Yep, you got the iams, which is a little foot. It's in the Greek. It's an unstressed and a stressed. Um, but um, uh, you see, and um, to be or not to be. Yep, that is the question. And then pentameter is there's five feet. So then you get 10 syllables made out of five iams, and then you get your ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Um, yeah, and that's a pretty standard kind of meter for uh, sonnets, traditional sonnets, but there's many contemporary ones. Um, Shall I and... compare thee to a summer's day? Yes. That time That's of not year. contemporary, but you know. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Um, and there's all kinds of meters. I mean, so you have when you, you know, on the 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 pentameter side, you know, you got uh <laughs> my favorite to say is quite rarely said is two feet, which is dimeter. <laughs> Maybe it's dimeter. I don't know, but I always like to call it dimeter. It's Demeter. It's Demeter. <laughs> yes. And they're very bad. They're very sad about, um, you know, Hades taking the rest of their feet. So that's why there's no more seasons. Makes perfect sense. Um, it was a bad harvest. Yeah, exactly. I guess she makes the seasons rather. But um, yeah. at any rate, but um, aha. then you have trimeter or trimeter. With your three, so yeah, but um, but um, but um, but um, but um, and trimeter, then trimeter sounds like something that like helps you figure out where you're going in Star Trek. See, you just have to recalculate, readjust the trimeter. Captain, the trimeter's been struck by photons. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm William Shatner. <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> I'm the rocket man. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So that's not that's... a Star Trek thing. It's three feet. <laughs> three feet. Then you got tetrameter, which is four. But um, but um, but um, but um. Then you got your pentameter. Then you get hexameter, and then beyond that, it's like okay. I mean, there's longer lines, but usually we're not dealing with a strict meter. Um, but then on the on the flip side, you got different kinds of feet, um, which is always very fun. You've got your IMs, which is the da-da. You've got your trochees, which is your the opposite, 
he was the he's the one in the Russian Revolution, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. All <clears throat> I uh, all the trokies are were killed by a nice pick in Mexico City, actually. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's you, the one who you, hung out with Frida Kahlo. Exactly. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Victor Trokey. The... <laughs> yeah, they're stressed, unstressed. I bet he was stressed after revolutioning Russia. Listen, if a guy named Joseph Stalin is out to get you, I would have high anxiety. And it would be reasonable. Um, yeah, like... So I'm trying to think of natural baby blues, the baby, a little stressed. Then there's spondy, which is too stressed. Like, I think we all know a little something about that. I know. It's like furlong or... It's amazing to me that that was your first example. <laughs> <laughs> that was a crazy example. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm uh, very impressed. Why would I say furlong? <laughs> With something like get back. Yeah, get back. Get back. Good. Somewhere. Murmur. Yeah, and those are, you know, those are all the, basically the stresses are pretty equal. Um, and then, you know, you have, there's a lot. There's. Oh gosh, there's like something called an anapest, which is like in the threes. And then there's something called a dactyl, but you know, and those are, those are extinct though. Yes. The dactyls have all gone. They're actually funnily enough. If you dig under Trochi's house in Mexico city, you'll actually find the remains of dactyl bones. Yep. That's a long I was going to try to do like Anapest, like a quest, but it just is too much of a stretch. Uh, I think yeah. I'm being, I think I'm being a little bit of an Anapest while you try to very straightforwardly explain what these uh, various <laughs> terms mean. How's no, I'm that? not. I'm, I'm not How's annoyed that? at all. I'm not annoyed at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm so chill. I'm chillest. Yeah, you're not too stressed. I'm not too stressed. Um, God, I love literary terms. <laughs> They're so funny. So you don't need to remember these or know them. I like them because they are fun in my head to say. It's like. Like furlong. Yeah. So then. Oh, yeah. So then you can like furlong. Exactly. Um, but not for long, which is not a spondy. Would be see. more of an I am. Look at you. So you can combine the two. If if we're just doing this to the end. So you got your iambic pentameter, but um but um but um but um but um but you could do something like a trochaic trimeter or trimeter, which would be bum 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 or something like that. Um or you could do like you know iambic you know diameter and just have very short lines. Uh, Dimeter, you know, da 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 da. Um, you could do spondy and, you know, 
it's going to be long, <laughs> but you could do a trimeter of spondies, bum, 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 or whatever. And obviously the point is not to memorize the, the little terms and the meters and the formal thing, although it can be very fun. And oftentimes, sometimes I do like to uh, <laughs> go, go back to my, my high school Latin roots and do some scansion, which is incredibly nerdy. And just kind of like read a line that I really love and then be like, oh, what are the stresses here? Uh, and kind of like, are there any, are there feet, you know, maybe, cause maybe it's, it's mostly iambic, but then there's, you know, a couple stress things. Um, I think that's a good point because, you know, as you're saying, these terms in and of themselves are not necessarily the most important, but they are really good tools to open up this whole realm of potential meaning and analysis within poems. So they can be kind of utilitarian in that way. Um, not that they aren't just fun to like think about and say and make puns about, um, <laughs> but like what's going on in poems. And we talked about this with regards to the line break throughout this series, especially in the first episode, but like you get to actually play around with where lines break in poetry in a way that you don't in a lot of other forms usually and it's kind of similar with playing with these kinds of rhythms within lines and so what poetry can allow for is a focus on different formal aspects in each reading so you could do a reading of a poem where you're just kind of taking in all of it and you're just getting a feel for it and seeing what's up and maybe reading mostly for the actual content of it but then when you're sitting down to think about it more you can go through and like any rich piece of art, it rewards reading on different levels. So you might read paying special attention to where the line breaks are, or you could do a reading entirely based as you're saying around where the stress is, what are the rhythms that are happening within these lines? How does it change throughout the poem? Is it locked into one kind of scheme of line rhythms? And that can sometimes be a really fascinating exercise just as like a thought experiment reading a poem to just get a different feel for what it's about because there are some poems where there's a lot of attention to that sort of thing and there are poems where it's clearly not the focus but by focusing on it you pull out something entirely new for yourself when you're reading it so it can be a really handy kind of you know way to approach a poem at some stage in reading I think oh absolutely um and I think it's one of those things like, you know, it's similar to me. It is like analogous to a certain extent, like the way that rhythm works in music, where you you don't need to be a musician to appreciate like good music and good rhythm. Um, and I think to me, what it and then, you know, we've talked about this a little bit um, sort of a lot in general and also um in the other line break episodes that rhythm it's like the patterns that are being set and then it's about how they're being disrupted and mm -hmm. then that's a way of both it's it's a way of like like luring in the reader or kind of bringing in the reader and making them feel what's happening but then it's also a way once once you're you're hooked it's like shifting the camera, shifting attention. Um, totally. I like, well, I think the music 
obviously we're you're using the word rhythm so obviously the music comparison is really apt but you particularly because you said the word pattern like so much of rhythm in music as well as based around patterns and you know my own background in hand percussion certain patterns have certain names you don't need to know the name of it to know what effect it's having on you you know like oh they're playing the dumbao you don't have to know what the dumbao is or the different kinds of clave beats but when they happen you feel the effect of them and i think that's very true of these different patterns that show up and you also notice when those patterns are broken or change yep so yeah yes. one yeah 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 one now that you got me thinking on the shakespeare Ooh. my my main my go-to shakespeare i got to i got to really switch it up these days but sonnet 73 is the sonnet for me um and i think the first quatrain first four lines really sets a get gives a there's a there's a moment that really shows this kind of rhythmic metric pattern setting and all that good stuff um and this is a classic poem that's like i'm dying you know i'm dying and so now you're gonna love me because carpe diem and all that um and the first four lines is basically setting up this image of fall um so that time of year thou mayest in me behold when yellow leaves or none or few do hang upon those boughs which shake against the cold bare ruined choirs where late the sweet birds sang. So that's just the first four lines. Um, but you get that kind of, it's like that time of year, it's like you see in me the fall. It's like there were yellow leaves, there's no leaves uh, that are on those boughs, those branches that are shaking and it's getting cold because it's autumn. Um, and then it's this kind of bare ruined choirs, um, which is a beautiful kind of, figurative metaphor kind of thing for for what the the autumnal branches are but interestingly so you know this is a this is a very traditional uh for the most part like metrical iambic pentameter like that time of year thou mayest in me behold naturally goes but up but up but up but up but up and the first three lines follow that to a T, you know, that time of year thou mayest in me behold when yellow leaves or none or few do hang upon those boughs which shake against the cold. But then you get to the fourth line and you basically, you get a spondy to start it off um, or, you know, basically like stressed syllables where your, your ear is kind of expecting another iambic line like da 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 but instead you get bare ruined choirs where late the sweet birds sang and the kind of bare like you can if you try to do bare ru in choirs <laughs> it's like you can't do it yeah. um so there's a real shift and subversion of the rhythm um that's there that i think is um 
it's doing a lot of things. One of the things is just bringing attention to this image. That's a really kind of striking one. It's a moment, I, I don't know, for, for me, that's just a very quick distillation of the way that, um, you know, Shakespeare is thought of as this traditional, you know, guy. And in a lot of ways, he, he does do things by the book, but even he is constantly breaking the rules that he's setting up because um, that's kind of what they're for. Yeah. So the other thing, too, is just with the rhyme scheme, you know, and this is especially true for the old ones, is that it it easily signals to the ear or the end of the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, you know, you're at the end of the line when it's you get the cold, which rhymed with behold. Um, and in more in more like contemporary, the, the line breaks can can sometimes be less sort of obvious uh, only when you're listening, but they're still doing similar kinds of things. For sure. And that's a really nice point, I think, as well, because we've been talking a lot about what's kind of going on inside of the line, but it's also the way that the line break can reinforce what's happening in the next line or reinforce kind of a feeling throughout the poem, which I know we've touched on already in a couple of the episodes this week about how do you build drama over the course of a poem using line breaks, but another way that rhythm is deployed kind of over a, a part of a poem or throughout an entire poem with line breaks is, as you're describing, there's rhymes are like probably the biggest one. Oh no, what's at stake? I need to go to the ancient lake. I have to find my lost snake. Like, <laughs> you know, um, shout out to Jim Morrison, who that was not quoting, but you know, if it's lakes and snakes, that dude's hanging around. Because <laughs> you got to yeah. ride the snake to the ancient lake. Yeah. Yeah. The snake it, is long, seven miles. Ah. <laughs> anyway, um, but the, the other, uh, you know, the rhymes usually come at the end of the line. Usually at the beginning of the line is where we find our old friend Anaphora. And that is another, uh, it's almost like an oratorical rhythm that can be added into poems uh, that, that is uh, very rhythmic in the way that it ends up being deployed. Because even if the lines themselves are not uniform in their construction, they have different numbers of stressed and unstressed syllables, and they fit into many of these different sort of meter categories the kind of rhythm of the lines in toto um, becomes a whole other thing when they are uh, filled with anaphora. No, absolutely. I think that's a really great point and a great way to think about it in kind of in contrast and complement to sort of end rhymes as like thinking, yeah, thinking about them in their in toto um yeah no and uh two two fairly recent episodes that we've talked about um have made great use of anaphora there's there's um we are going which is episode 144 um by ujuru nunako um and there's this repetition of we are over and over again. Um, we are the Korobori and the Bora ground. We are the old ceremonies. 
the laws of the elders. We are the wonder tales of dream time, the tribal legends told. We are the past, the hunts and the laughing games, the wandering campfires. We are the lightning bolt over Gathamba Hill. Um, and, and there's another one uh, more recent, um, Beckoned by Forrest Gander, which has that anaphora repetition of at which point. Um, yeah, at which point her voice was pinned to a backdrop of vaporous color, at which point the crane's bustles flared at which point coming to, I knew I'd pay the whole flagpole fare. At which point the driver turned and said, it doesn't need to be your fault for it to break you. Um, and both of those really uh, make your point about the, the varying lengths of um, the line. Some of those lines are much longer uh, than the other ones, you know, we are the past, the hunts and the laughing games, the wandering campfires is much longer than we belong here. We are of the old ways. Um, and yet, and so in a way, the, the anaphora, it's, yeah, it's, that's interesting to think of it that way too. On the one hand, it's, it's providing that oratorical, as you say, the propulsion um, and this kind of unity. And then it's also allowing a kind of freedom of, of line length on the other end, um, because you can kind of return, uh, to your anaphora when, when you're done. Um, yeah, which is a, which is a, a cool thing to think about. And you also see very different endings to a lot of these lines. So like in the Udru New Knuckle poem, there's not a whole lot of sonic connection at the end of the lines, but you do have moments of it in Forest Ganders, at which point the crane's bustles flared, at which point coming to, I knew I'd pay the whole flagpole fare. It's basically an end rhyme. It's kind of obscured by the anaphora. You don't in reading it, it doesn't jump out at you as, you know, I went to the lake to find my snake. It was great, whatever, you know, it's, it's not the, the loudest part of what's going on, but it's also there as another element in the lines. And it's another consideration about where are these lines broken? How are they in conversation with each other? Um, and I think it's also interesting because, so both of those are only excerpts from the poems and these poems have other parts that are not an aphoristic. These poems don't sustain it all the way through these are sort of moments to deploy it and you can also see the way that line breaks get used to kind of introduce an anaphoristic section so in the Udru Nunakal we belong here we are of the old ways is one line the we are there is not the we are the of the next lines but also the line starts we belong here not we are the and so that is kind of introducing the idea that then gets fully realized in the anaphora section and the last line all of the we are thes have been on one line but then we are the lightning bolt over gefemba hill line break quick and terrible and so that gets a, a different kind of line break to break you out of the anaphoristic section of the poem i don't know if that's a word 
feels like it should be. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, anaphora. It's the section of the poem which uses anaphora. There you um, go. But it's a line break that then also breaks you out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is just another instance of what you're describing. You establish these patterns, these rhythmic patterns, whether it's inside of a line itself or it's, you know, the the way that the lines come together at different points, but there's such power in then breaking, disrupting, shifting those patterns within a line or within a, a poem when you have a set of lines that are establishing a pattern like anaphora, when you break out of that, it's really powerful. And usually you're doing that with a line break. So it's all about the line breaks. It is. It really is. Another way to think about it, now that we're on this music thing, and I just thought of this and maybe someone else has said it because it's not the most original thing, but if you're feeling what I'm dropping down, let me know. I was thinking about the blues a little bit. Obviously, there's blues poems, but I was thinking about lines and stanzas and the blues form and then like um, a measure. And like you got like, you know, in your standard blues, you know, you got your root thing that's like I went to the lake and then you got your four thing that's like I went to. The, I mean, I can't do this whole hitting notes thing, but it's like, you know, Overrated. yeah. Um, and then there's a part. Anyway, you know, it's like, and then there's a part at the end. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, what? Then there's a part at the end where the form returns, and there's usually a little fun stuff. It's like, what? Um, and the way that I'm thinking about this is the line break is kind of like a measure, a unit, a smaller unit of breaking up this stuff. And then a stanza in a way could be like, not always, but it's just one way to think about it. Like the whole form, you know, like a 12, 12 bar blues or 16 bar blues. Um, but just thinking about that in terms of the rhythm, like that's one way to think about a line break and a line as a whole in a rhythmic sense. I am now seeing a man. I am seeing a guitarist, in fact, <laughs> with it with a guitar. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, right. Because it's like I got. I got a line break. Oh, the line breaks me. I got a line break. But the line breaks me. Well, I'm always falling off the edge. It line's gonna break me. <laughs> that was the intergalactic premiere of line break 
intergalactic intergalactic love it um a little rough because my guitar was uh you know slotted in around where i'm currently trying to sit with microphone cables and yeah phone thank you so thank you for that impromptu demonstration you can hear that that's the uh, that's how robert johnson starts out the cross it's crossroads he goes uh anyway is it rhythm is it blues is it poetry is it breaks is it stanzas it's a little bit of everything here on old close talking and you know what that's the perfect segue because tomorrow we're talking about ambiguity so we're going to be getting into all that stuff how line breaks i think kind of in this rhythm episode we are talking about where line breaks are definitive they're creating rhythm and in tomorrow's episode we're going to be talking about when they're doing kind of the exact opposite at least thematically so stay tuned for more of line break week coming your way here on close talking Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is co-host Jack Rossiter Munley. Just reminding you that there are a ton of ways that you can get in touch with us. You can send us an email at closetalkingpoetry at gmail.com or the show and Connor and myself are all on Twitter. That's another great way to connect. I am at Jack Rossiter Munn. Connor is at Connor M. Stratton. And the show is at Close Talking. You can also find us on Instagram at Close Talking Poetry or on Facebook at facebook.com slash close talking. See you next time.